0: Good
1: evening and welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers,
0: and I'm joined once again by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? It's going great. Awesome. It's amazing. 2019. 2019, and we're I'm back from my today was my first day back at work from my uh, two weeks off, two and a half oh, weeks nice. off. Nice. It's it's usually a pretty energized day, and it kind of was. So I, I I always come back to work. Anytime I take two weeks off, you can take one week off and I think that it's always you're packing so much into a vacation of one week that you you know, you're kind of mm, almost exhausted and yeah. don't want to come back to work. But two weeks. For sure. You have that time to, to recharge and re go and reset yourself. So I, I I come back to work and sure enough, all day I'm just, just hammering, I was just cranking stuff out doing stuff like and ready to go for tomorrow. So I'm pretty pretty happy with my. Did birthday.
1: you have uh um I don't I don't want to get too granular and too detailed on this but did you have uh like people covering you I don't know what what you do in your your profession my bro- my brother-in-law works at a at a radio station and so he was supposed to be covered he's worked at smaller uh networks and been like their main guy and so they're calling him like kids birthdays holidays any freaking time of day they're okay. calling him and he's the kind of guy who will always answer because you know, he can't, he can't not, he's, right. he's too nice of a guy. And, uh, and he's, he had a little bit of that at this job for the first time. He's been at this job two or three years. Well, so I, I, there's supposed to be, you know, everything's supposed to be covered when somebody is gone, Supposed but,
0: to be right. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, uh, my, my, my professional my day job, um, or sorry, my, my other gig besides this main gig here, Um, is that I, um, I'm a a web manager for the school, uh, a major tech school, uh, or school within Indiana university. And, um, so I'm in charge of all of the, all of the websites for the school and all the departmental websites and anything that has to do with the internet basically. Uh, so I have people that do all of the normal stuff and all the day to day things. Um, Mm -hmm. and they take care of, you know, Request comes in for page changes or um, little updates and server things, and you know, little updates are just normal kind of stuff. And that thing, those still happened. But what I do, besides planning and, and getting time and people and resources and stuff, is that I'll also do all the a de- lot of the develop application development and the design stuff. So um, that's a project based kind of type thing, and I plot in a lot of time. Um, so I I don't have anybody have to cover me for that kind of thing it's just when I I plan that in but also my big one of my big, big responsibility is when when things aren't normal and something happens and goes down or has a bug or something everybody who does all the normal stuff my employees they lose their minds they have no idea what to do <laughs> anything besides not like I this says on this paper to do step 1 through 5 I don't know what to do so sure I had a few of those on on break and I so they they will like you know, text me right away. Oh my God, red alert, red alert, log on and help us fix this little problem, which is probably a bigger problem to them. Um, so I, I, yeah, I did, I guess the long answer, the short answer to that is that I did have, have it covered, but I'm there for, I, I still had a couple times where I had to, okay, time to work, even though I'm on vacation. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. I, uh, without getting too much details, I switched employers though. I'm working with, with the same team, uh, about, two months ago mm. and so we're still under our uh 90 day intro phase before we get actual paid time oh already. right yeah
0: It's not, it feels like it's been I'm, longer
1: i'm yeah i i don't know <laughs> who knows but i'm i'm hourly so i was able to take time off during the holidays but i wasn't getting paid mm, and it's yeah. you know fine exactly. i wasn't i'm not hard up for cash or anything right. so i just took the time like i'd rather spend time with my family right then you know, be working over the holidays, but I did get on a couple times when things were quiet and I'm a developer. So I just have a, you know, a big project. We're working on a big integration thing. And so I can get on and make some progress on it. I don't really need to interact with uh, the team yeah. too much, but yeah, we started back last week, uh, Wednesday, right? Cause it's uh, new year's day was Tuesday. Yeah. And
0: sorry, yeah, a week ago,
1: almost yep yep almost a week ago
0: man for for those who are following on a weird way back a long time did
1: you uh did you get a chance to play any new board games over the holidays
0: i did not or old
1: board games Uh, old classics
0: i I actually um i thought i had planned that sydney and i were going to sit down and spend some dad daughter time playing some good board games and we really didn't most of the time she was very like meh I'm not in the mood for X, Y, or Z, so we did something else. Hmm. Um, but uh, I did buy Five Minute Marvel.
1: Oh yeah, did you play that? I have not
0: played it. It's sitting upstairs, it came in yesterday, so I unpacked it and and read all the stuff and looked at all the boards and stuff. It looks basically like Five Minute Dungeon, except Marvel characters with a few extra little rules that are simple. So
1: yeah did you did you play Five Minute
0: Dungeon? I did. Uh, yeah, I love. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a big easy hit for anybody that plays that game. So
1: I don't know, I don't know if we had a more power gamer team or what, because I'm I'm not super good at that game. I don't like real time games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of my same dislike for first person shooters right. or anything sort of reflex based. Twitchy things. Um, yeah. but I I did okay with that. We actually blew through five minute Marvel, and it took us several attempts to beat uh five minute dungeon Mm. so Mm. i don't know if we had a different group i think it was the same four of us but maybe we had five last time maybe we had one or two you know weak links. but uh... well you know
0: you know the best part about five minute dungeon or five minute marvel is that it is a completely random game there is not a whole ton of skill that goes into it there's some but not a lot Because when the cards come up and how the cards come up, and if you actually get stuck on a boss, it's just because you didn't get the cards,
1: right? Yeah, you drew the wrong cards at the wrong time. Yeah. So I may may circle back to that in a minute. But it seemed to me that the heroes in 5-Minute Marvel were not necessarily balanced. Some of them seemed very powerful, and others seemed weak. I don't know if that's me misunderstanding some of the nuances of the rules, um, but... Yeah, I don't know. The first time we played, I played Captain America whose ability is to uh revive a injured an posted, exhausted yeah. hero. Right. Um and that seemed weak because nobody was ever exhausting. Right. Um and then And then somebody has a, a card that, that, played... that lets them everybody draw 3. You're like, "Right, that's way more powerful." The, the second time we played, I played uh Miss Marvel, the the new Miss Marvel. Yeah uh, what's her name? Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan. That's it. Um, and her ability is like that. Like if I discard three, everybody else can draw two. And I was like, yeah, this is much more useful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I actually looked at, I was just, all I did was look through those powers and, and some of them are straight up better than others. Like for, there are two characters. Yeah, that... One of them has, has give two characters, two cards, and then the hulk has give every character three cards you're like okay i'm just going to always play the hulk why <laughs> why would you choose that character over this character that i granted i don't know what their card powers are maybe that's a little balanced but
1: um i think i think hulk injures when he uses
0: his power is but there's another one that, that has has a very similar one that was like i think one character was specifically two characters draw two cards and the other one was all characters draw two two cards or three car. it was three characters draw two cards and there was no downside i was like that was just maybe it's rocket and group or something like that but anyway yeah it did it felt like that um that game though i was just saying like what could be considered a downside and what i would generally say is a downside to to a game is the randomosity Mm -hmm. and how it doesn't take skill but because it's a it's a five minute fast pace intense it's supposed to be don't don't overthink things it's fun it's extremely fun the randomness um yeah you know I, i dice games dice drives me nuts if you don't have any kind of effects on that random stuff and random draws are the my bane of playing games uh sure but th- like things like that that it's over in 5 minutes I don't care it's great it's wonderful and it's totally fine you know uh yeah so yeah a detriment actually is a positive there the
1: uh one of the sort of perennial frustrations with my family because there are so many of us i mean we're up to Uh, We're up to 13 adults, and um, there are five grandkids now. The oldest, I think, is 14 or is going to be 14 this year. Um, And so it's like, it's so difficult to, like, get a group, get a small group, you know, four to six to play most really good deep games. Yeah, you Um, take half the people
0: away now, right? Yeah
1: right and and it's not always you know for a while it was it was a couple a couple family members who were like let's do something all together yeah even the ones who are okay with splitting the party as it were yeah you know they've got spouses and kids and and then they can't just you know leave like it's it's good you know um, i love my family they're great but it's you know we played a lot of uh a party game called what do you meme yeah i don't know if you've if you played, bad. I've never heard of it. It's funny, bad, yeah. it's funny, but it's relatively new, so there aren't that many cards. It's like the first six months of Cards Against Humanity. We actually played Cards Against Humanity a couple times, which is always a little bit uh, strange with my parents uh, playing. Also, no, I bet. Um, <laughs> and uh, and we got one night Were- uh, one night werewolf, mm-hmm. um, which we had played classic werewolf or werewolf ultimate whatever yeah a couple of years ago and it was just a disaster uh-huh. like this m- might not be comprehensible to people who are not part of big families but a like bluffing deception large group game generally doesn't work well with a big family when you're when you know everyone playing very well right right it's like even in our circle of friends like if i'm down in bloomington trotsky and those guys like a bluffing game can get a little tense i don't love bluffing games in general especially with people i know because i don't like the the lying the part of it, of yeah. it the right. lying part of it like i know you know whatever whatever about me but i'm like i don't know i like trusting my friends yeah sorry right. you right. know um uh, you know, and that, and that's, and that's whatever, but and that
0: game also has the voting part. So then everybody has to turn against you and you're like, that, right. That it has this, jerk, voting, right? this
1: accusing and, but the, the one night version that plays with an app. So you don't need a moderator and it's just one night. You make decisions, people win or lose and you start over. It has a, a similar kind of thing that, that, uh, five minute dungeon has, um, what, what ultimately happened, we played it a couple times and, um, one of my one of my siblings who is more more competitive even than the rest of us um and somewhat of an alpha gamer tried to you know thought that they had figured out who was who and tried to dictate a split vote mm-hmm. like you 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 vote this person and you you and like two or three people at the same time were like you can't tell us how to f- no that's you know whatever <laughs> and like Hurt feelings, you know, storming off the, out of the room, and it's like, uh, okay, yeah, no, <laughs> this is this is why this is why I, I I sold the first version of the game. Like, this doesn't work, right? This is uh, it's the um, it's the alpha gamer problem, right? Right, and and we have we have friends in our in our circle. I think Pat for a while was was that way. Like, he's very um strategic minded, mm-hmm. and has a has a tendency to you know in the competitiveness of a of a cooperative game try to say you know what the what the best course is according to his perception the way he sees it um of course the problem is any good game has an element of randomness to it right otherwise it's chess and yeah. chess is already the best chess right um you know you don't need you don't need that so you can't have a perfect strategy, and if one person is dictating everybody else's actions, they could be playing that game solo, right, yeah, you could be playing pandemic and just running five hands exactly or four hands i guess right um it's it you you rob the other players of all their enjoyment, like it's not uh it's it's the old thing where the goal of the game is not to win the goal of the game is to have fun, yeah. Which, you're right. It's hard. Like when, I when say you're that, the, a lot, I when have you a hard want to win yeah. believing it and practicing it because losing feels bad. Right. <laughs> right? Right. And who wants to feel bad? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, the L- the I, I ran beast. into
0: that I was and I was just thinking that about that a couple of days ago when Sid and I was were thinking about playing Dragonfire and it's a cooperative game. And it can have it could have alpha players type things in sure. it. And when Sid and I play it, I we don't co-op do it, we're can. just playing together. But I, I played it in at Gen Con last year or the year before and um, it's it was difficult it was difficult for me to sit down at a group of four other players that were not good strangers yeah and strangers yeah. and they were not good and they were not strategic mm. in any way and you're like <laughs> and, and they just wanted to kind of play their own game because they were in strangers they don't know each other or the the husband and right. wife group and they're playing just their group game together like guys, you're the cleric. He's like, yes, but I want to kill things. And you're like, you're supposed to like not do anything but help other people. And he's like, no, I want to go and take this move and kill people. I'm like, I want to tell him how to play, right? <laughs> so that we can all benefit and win. Yeah. It was yeah. it was very difficult. I, I didn't alpha player, but man, I, I know that we were so close at like winning or losing and people were going. And I was like, I just want to say, like, you should do this so that he can do that, so that she can do this, and then we can kill that you know it's a little bit of um
1: the same kind of thing that happens in MOBAs all the time mm-hmm. uh like League of Legends or you know I we've talked about it on on the show at length I play a lot of Heroes of the Storm and uh the difference there is that it's real time and unless you're really good unless you're really fast at at type you can't talk in chat and play at the same time like you have to be using your keys and your mouse to to do stuff yeah you can't be arguing and talking in chat because it's all in real time but i see people do that kind of stuff and i'm like why is our tank killing uh you know as they say in in league they call it jungling like why is he capturing mercenaries when he should be in the team fight engaging so that the dps can do damage like this is how the holy trinity of Right. tank damage healer works. Right. Um, but he's soloing a camp. Or, you know, we're spread out in lanes and the healer's in a lane by themselves. I'm like, why right. is the healer in a lane by themselves? But yeah, no, I don't... That, you know, in some I don't, games... D- the d- I don't do that kind of stuff because it's so, so easy in a real-time game for somebody to say anything for people to get upset. And right. now they're arguing in text instead of playing. Yes. And it's a good way to lose. And so whenever... <sighs> Whenever I see somebody like do that kind of thing, especially if they do it in a in an aggressive or insulting way, They're like "Hey, Sonia, where the f were you?" Yeah. I'm like mute, reported, yeah, go yeah. to some other game because I don't want to play games. It's, it's going like to
0: start that. that, yeah.
1: Well, that- it's toxic. Like that that kind of behavior is is contagious, and suddenly everyone's arguing in chat, and we're sure to lose. Like we could have come mm-hmm. back despite any whatever, but. Anyway, I well, well, mean to specific
0: go specific there, roles in in cooperative games, um, it, a lot of that comes down to to game design. I, I remember playing um, one of the the best, uh, what I think is one of the best uh, a cooperative multiplayer games, is the Mex versus Minions game, and everybody, sure. everyone felt powerful. Everyone was just as powerful as the other. They didn't rely on the other person to do X, Y, or Z. I mean, some maps, maybe someone was a little bit better than the other, but for the most part, everyone was power it's kind of like um when i used to play mmos at one point i played a game called city of heroes and city of heroes mm-hmm. everybody did dps every character was dps I, I mean some characters had a little bit of control some people had a little bit of healing some people had a little bit of tanking but everyone did dps and mm-hmm. and so it and the best thing that everybody liked about that is that everyone was having fun it wasn't one guy Doing you know sitting back in the corner, just healing and pushing one button over time, and you need him, and he's real important, but it's really boring. He wants to go kill things everyone's doing the fun stuff and and that's how a lot of these cooperative games are if they're designed well that's what they you do is that everyone even if you've got an alpha healer and he tells you you should go over there and kill that guy that's not so bad as long as you have fun going over and kill that guy right um but but yeah, if but if you're I, playing a game I that says sort of see
1: that I I also see how that becomes boring from a from a, and and not for everybody right I'm right. not saying you yeah sure but like people are different yeah. right there are people who are less have less of a aggressive but maybe still competitive personality who prefer to do you know I um in in the years that I've played wow, I started out as DPS and then I played tank for a long time because Mm -hmm. I'm like, you always need a tank. Right. And the tank is either pass fail. Like you're either, uh, you're either a competent tank or you're bad. Mm -hmm. Like DPS is always on this scale. You're like, oh, well out of the 20 DPS, you were number 11. So like, well, you did better than this guy, but his class is crappy right now. So it's this whole like messy thing where I'm like, a tank is just a tank. Like, you need a tank everybody needs a tank so uh there's that and then there are people I could never get into healing but there are a lot of people who really really enjoy healing enjoy support because they find it's a it's a niche it's a niche in this in this structure I think there's more I don't know there's it's it's to me it's more interesting than just like a um you know, like a halo kind of thing where everybody just runs in and shoots. Like then it, then there's just this one metric. There's no way for you. It's actually a perfect example of what, one of the things that I like about here's of the storm compared to other MOBAs is that there's a lot of PVE. There's, there are a lot of ways that you can influence the game, the match positively without direct team fighting. Yeah. Now they're changing some of that because of course it, it messes with competitive play, but um it's a for me it's a way if I'm you know if I'm tired or I'm playing a new hero or whatever it's a way for me to help my team win if I if I'm outmatched in the team fight. Oh, okay. Um and it so it provides for more interesting gameplay to me where in a game like Halo like if you're not good at aiming and shooting fast like then then you shouldn't you just, be playing halo basically you are just yeah you're just dead weight on the team right uh now that said the the addition of different roles hasn't really uh um endeared overwatch to me but yeah. it's possible that i've not given that enough of a chance just well, because... that, even back
0: in the day like battlefield i thought was one of the best ones that did that too is that they had like a medic and then they had an engineer and then they had you know, right. or, or a team fortress Two. that's a perfect example you know, the, those are different roles for different things, um, which is, yeah, I don't know. that I, I, We're getting a little off on the on the track there, but um, so I I, wanna, I did want to mention along this rabbit hole, a game I really enjoyed um, for a neat mechanic was a game called Rift, an MMO called Rift. And oh, we played Rift for a while. Rift was really kind of fun. It had some really innovative things. Something I liked a lot about it was that the classes had like three specs and they were vastly different from each other most of the time they were something like a tank, a healer, or and a DPS. They, each spec had a different gameplay way to do it, but your healer, your priest, or cleric, let's say, would be a damage, holy damage warrior, or a healer, or a like a paladin, right? And, and that game, like, every game has this, but back then they were one of the first ones that you could just switch on the fly these specs. So I would go in a fight, and I'd be a damage or tank or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'd see group looking for a healer and I could just switch my spec with a press of a button and then go join that group. You know? Sure. And and that was like a totally, totally different experience. I, I played a rogue type class and all of a sudden he could become a, a, like a pet class that had, um, um, machines and stuff that he could put down an engineer type thing and then switch to classic stealthy rogue. And it just depended like today I felt like playing a stealthy rogue and I would put him mm-hmm. in that spec. And then tomorrow I would click a button, another button, and I play the pet class. Um Right. So it it allowed you to, to play a game how you felt you wanted to play without having to be bored some of the time and okay other parts of the time. Um, I don't know how we got on this topic, but that's that was a neat thing. Yeah, neat we, we were day. talking about roles and and alpha gamers
1: and cooperative. I I never completed that thought, but I've right. I've observed over the years. Um, in particular, our buddy Pat uh, seems to make more of a concerted effort to. Uh, <laughs> this is going to sound kind of bad, but let the other players make their own decisions.
0: Yeah, no, really. Um, Pat Pat is a perfect example. Pat Pat, I remember Pat used to do that many years ago, and I play with him every week now and he we play a cooperative game where he sits just to my left, and he and gloomhaven is one where you could definitely do alpha gamer, and he absolutely does not and he is i could i could almost feel him sometimes doing the 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 mental exercises that he must do or something to to stop me from making stupid mistakes or somebody else you know uh, yeah. but he does he doesn't and he he has you know he's made a concerted effort to not be that and do
1: that. and I hear him sometimes when i'm editing uh uh start uh cling on the dragons mm-hmm. him say he's like hey you should use momentum with the- oh, okay yeah, right, right. Wh- whoever as they've already made their role and he's yeah. like well we can and he's like no you rolled it now it's you know. yeah yeah he, <laughs> he's, he he's also he's also by the book with the rules which is helpful yeah I, I i
0: would i would um uh put pat as a as a guy that is not the same gamer he was 10 years ago like at all I mean, not not the same guy.
1: which i mean i i would hope is true for all of us, you know? No, oh,
0: hopefully I, yeah, I, uh, I'd i like to grow think, and
1: evolve and become better people.
0: Well, I, that's what I'd, I'd like to think that I'm a better cooperative player, but I've had, I don't know. I got, I've gotten real, I'll admit I've gotten real pissy at, uh, I got pissy at Pat, matter of fact, um, with Gloomhaven because I wanted a, a, my little temper tantrum way with something, you know, like two or three times. So I'd like to say that I've grown some and I think I have, but I still have my, baby fit, like, I want it to go my way type things.
1: I I think that we've talked about that game at length, and I've not uh, we've not taken it out of the box for a couple months. Mm -hmm. Um, I keep meaning to now that uh, Sarah and Andrew are both staying at Mom and Dad's, Mm -hmm. but um, Andrew and I's schedules are both very late in the day, and Sarah's is generally very early. Mm -hmm. Like She's often in bed by 9 or 10 Mm o'clock, and I'm like, that's I mean, what do you want to start playing at like
0: seven? Which I guess we could, but <laughs> right. you
1: know, then mom and dad want to watch TV together with everybody. And yeah, the whole
0: yeah. You you should anyway. You should look um, at the uh, our our buddy Aaron has had a new organizing system for that game oh, i i saw that that oh, was great my, oh my god i was I, like this is dennis's like heaven right here and he brought I mean, it yeah and we were... you
1: know you know me i love that kind of stuff i know but, exactly um, and it, it's beautiful what was I saying about gloomhaven oh gloom the, gloomhaven's biggest problem is analysis paralysis and i've i've said i don't know if i said this on the show sure, but Andrew yeah. has this problem big time like he's we played um a game he really enjoys zombie side uh, yeah. over the holidays and he has that alpha gamer problem where he's like this and this and this and i'm like i'm like shouldn't we move forward and open that door and he's like no let's wait till everyone gets there and we ended up quitting without finishing because it was so late we were moving so slow we were getting swarmed by zombies and yeah I'm like, there's no there's no negotiating with this guy like he's he's yeah. certain of the path we're going to take and he's in charge and i'm like that's fine i'm not i don't have the personality type to to you know to alpha game to, right but, but know, that, to, that, to that totally does against yeah. another alpha and when we played gloomhaven i i'd get frustrated with him because i'm like just pick two cards like i understand it's a difficult decision i understand you have to pick two out of five and none of them are great or you know all of them are great and you can't you can't pick and you want to like the game is kind of tight so you feel like you really want to min max it but the thing with that game is there are so many variables you don't know what cards you're gonna pull, you don't know what cards the monsters are gonna pull, you don't know what cards your allies are gonna pull. Right. Yes, you might play two of your biggest best cards, and they might be useless because you you know, your initiative order ends up low or late, and everything is dead by the time you take your turn and you wasted your best card. Yeah, all oh, right Shit happens. Yeah. Sorry. Um like that's the that's the way the game goes and I for whatever reason, like I in many areas of life am prone to analysis paralysis, but for whatever reason in that game, like I can look at it and go, Yeah, I'm just gonna pick and what'll happen yeah. ha- well what what happens will happen. I can't the the not even like a a quarter of this am I in control of. So I let's that's do it.
0: true. That's very true. Yeah. um you're just gonna play you play it as it comes through
1: yeah speaking of uh cooperative games one of the other games we did manage to play um that i got uh sarah got me for mystery gifter um is legendary encounters firefly oh yeah i think did i play this with you we did play this we played it at gen con with chance and
0: trotsky i think chance owns it and uh i I swear we played this at at gen con i could be wrong but i don't maybe maybe did you have this one I don't own this one. Did we play it at ICGCon?
1: No, we definitely played it at Trotsky's because okay. Chance had a copy of it. It just, okay. you know, who knows if it was late enough and we drank sure. enough.
0: We just sure, sure. race. I do viewers, remember. But... Did did we win or did we? I, I I remember thinking it was okay.
1: Um, I don't know. Legendary has that problem of scale. Um, yeah, it really does. And of course the. The simplest way to fix that, that I think they even say in the rules for, uh, Encounters Firefly is if you have four players, you do one round of no enemies. Oh, they're not called enemies in Encounters, but that's the same mechanic. Of the the Um, villain
0: thing doing its thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, the villains. Or if you have five players, you do two rounds. Yeah. Which is okay. It's not that elegant of a solution, but I understand cooperative games are, are, uh tricky especially deck builders like deck builders have a really specific flow to them how how, how many Um, people
0: do you think legendary should play three i think that's a sweet spot
1: that's the middle number it seems like the most uh four is probably a good balance between challenge and and you know mind numbingly easy i say i think Um, most
0: of the time I, i played legendary I guess maybe I'm lucky is that that I played it with the max players and it's, it's fun, but it's, it's got its issues with that. And it's always been extremely frustrating sometimes Sure, because of that. So, and, and I, I, you know, we've talked in the past years about legendary, how much I love it, but still it's, you know, I look back now and think it frustrates the hell out of me. So uh, how Do was encounter? Have... How was this encounter? How, you guys played with your family, you played with the full five. Um, full four, four.
1: I... I don't remember. We played with at least four and maybe five. I think we played with four because we had an extra character. Um do you have you have the big trouble
0: little china? I do. That's an encounters. It's not an encounters. That's just a, that's it's, just a legendary game. Really? It's yep. a normal uh It's a normal one. Maybe they've got the characters and then the villains. I've never seen that movie, so I don't know.
1: Oh, man. Um It's too bad. <laughs> it's too bad. Uh so What's different, there are a number of things, like you've got the basic two deck system mm-hmm. um you've got the same colors or whatever they call the colors have their own word, but they're colors mm-hmm. um and the same synergy system yep. uh, the and and I think that the encounters boxes are supposed to be able to mix. And match they don't mix with the marvel or the main legendary
0: but the encounter species. set
1: but but they they are supposed to mix with with other encounters so instead of just randomly picking a mastermind and villains and henchmen you play through these uh chapter
0: oh that's right i remember this okay yeah i okay. play through
1: these episodes yeah um and we just so played the beginning one that's we different played. yeah there there are three well there are not 14. I guess they're 15 because the first episode is two-parter. Um, They're they're in sets of three, the episodes. And so you take the episode deck, which is like 10. It's like 12, 11, 10 for the three episodes. Mm-hmm. It's that number of cards. And then you mix in a fixed number of what they call side quests, okay. uh, depending on how many players you have. And then at the bottom of each episode is an inevitable card that is something bad. Okay. Um, And unlike normal Marvel or unlike normal Legendary, uh, these episode cards that are the equivalent of villain cards, they come out face down. And so you spend um, attack to reveal them, to scan them because it's space. Yeah. And the scan price goes down for each slot. So like in, in the Marvel version, the, the city has like different names. There's like a bridge and a sewer and the streets, mm-hmm. rooftops, whatever. Yeah. Um, the spaces in Firefly are like four, four, three, three, two, or something like that. Or maybe it's four, three, three, two, two, something like that. That's the cost to scan it. Okay. So if you want to scan it right away, you're going to need four attack. You're going to have to burn four attack. Got it. Um, so one most of the will stay I like, out
0: there pretty long.
1: Yeah. It might stay out there pretty long. If it gets to, what in Marvel would be escape. It goes into this. um, There's a word for it. It's like a, it's like a battlefield sort of thing. If, if they're enemies and they get into that box, then they attack you. And if they're quests and they move into that box, you have till the end of that player's turn before the quest is failed. Ah. And failing a quest always means something bad happens. Right. Um, So that's some of the some of the things that are different about that one of the things i like about it is it gives you there's very often a low attack target even if that target is just scanning there's a low attack thing for you to do with your unused attack points right
0: which which marvel the some I mean, the legendary games have it always had issues with is that like oh, has, has a problem I'm throwing with, away it. money or attacking the, the same up.
1: the same is true of of the spending of the star whatever that's called um because there's only one always available card like ascension has three there's a thing you can always attack and there are two things you can always buy that cost two and three um so there's always something available even if there's a bunch of course the bad thing about ascension is that there's only one pool of cards uh and so it's it changes too much in the time it takes to get back to your turn but anyway
0: um but it was fun yeah of course. well there was hey remember that game we played at gen con that it seemed to have like uh like it was kind of going off book with some things you remember oh, yeah, we about? We played that at gen con that was a was that a miniatures game it felt like it I, we could never come to terms with the people telling us what kind of game it was because we kept asking like do these rooms come with the game is there modifiable minis is, and they i think couldn't... we
1: looked at it and the rooms were like little boxes that all fit inside the main box
0: yeah and we were like it, it's the game's going to be the same every time which was not fun enough but they kept saying that there was like campaigns and stories and it felt like it was like Okay, this is we're at a party or something and then we I,
1: I remember you were uh, <laughs> you annoyed. were losing your voice, so you were like typing messages on your notes app and showing yeah. you're
0: like, this game is boring. Yeah. It it, <laughs> or it was something it was I remember it wasn't that that memorable, but was it but at least people was...
1: seem to remember doing some kind of role playing. Like there was like I had to get to a get to a door and make like a hack check to try and yeah. hack open the door like, you know, the bypass the electronic lock.
0: Yeah, I remember the game having like potential. Like I, it felt like you said there was some role playing stuff to it, and there was a story. There definitely was a story going on to it. It's just that like the the mechanics and the the what you got in the box was not great, mm. um, and and it just was not all that great. Um, right. But but it still the point was is that that felt like that they were going off book with some some different stories and what the people were doing, and they were doing going on their own adventure stuff. And I thought. Okay, so so maybe that's cool. maybe maybe that's the answer
1: to my question of why does everybody draw in the same tiny pool of content? It's because every time somebody's tried to branch out and do something different and new, people are like, no, that's that's not what we want. Yeah, maybe we just, we just want Wash to say, "Curse your sudden but
0: inevitable betrayal." Right. I wonder if what kind of game would be good for for Firefly anyway. I mean, board games is, seems to be the most popular translation for for stuff because of the, the yeah. people, but. But I, I, I mean, I don't know any genre of a game that fits into you. It couldn't be an action game. Some people, I'm sure, want to fly Serenity, but that would be boring after your first fly-through, you know? yeah. Uh, it's not a role-playing game, maybe, because you can't well, be as it's cool the, as Jane. You just can't be, you know?
1: It's the, I'm going to say age-old, but it's not age-old, but it's the age-old question of trying to adapt some kind of, uh, uh, you know, television or film ip into a game
0: well it's it's like, the, it, honestly it's the same thing we struggle with with klingons and dragons sometimes with star trek yeah it's it's yeah. that we ha- yeah well we we have to play this certain way because that's how episodes work you know as right, opposed to right. it being as opposed to it being a free form do whatever you want off book you know type thing but well you, and even you want if we star did trek. yeah
1: i mean i mean star trek was written is written in a frame in a certain way firefly is not made that way but if you did role-playing it still has to be a certain way
0: yeah i mean that's the thing is that everybody wants to be as cool as Mao. but right. no one is as cool as Mao in real life han no. solo is the closest you can get to, to role-playing mal or, or vice I, versa. I just want to be as cool as book <laughs> that's right yeah i mean that's what my aspirations are not that high <laughs> right and now if you play the the, the things about playing like a role-playing a firefly game is is seriously then you're just kind of playing a western i mean right if, if you're, you do your own ship and your own stuff well it's not fun right like i want to the things that made firefly and star trek good the setting it was fine, but it's the characters and the, the actors that made those shows amazing. And the writing. And the writing, right? And and when you're role playing, you don't have writers that write for you, and you don't, and they're not writing those characters. You're not that like, actor. Are
1: are you? You know, if you're in a if you're playing D anD D or something with a, with a couple guys, and one of them is is chaotic neutral and decides to betray the group betray the group and you're about to put him out on airlock is one of your players at the table gonna go don't tell him what i did (laughs) like is somebody on the fly gonna come up with something so good so like crucial to character development no
0: no right
1: Right, I mean, unless you're playing D and D with a bunch of screenwriters or something.
0: Right, well, that, that's what that's what when D and D is sold, when you buy it and everything, it's it's bought as a, a world. It's not it's got characters in it, and you can read those things on the sides if you want. But when you buy a D and D thing, it's the setting that you're buying, and, and the yeah. world that you're buying. That's why that's why it, it's worked and was lasted, and many other play things do okay too, is because they're just selling you the settings, and then you make your own world in there. The the way IPs struggle is that you want to play the characters that you've watched and be those things that you want to be. I, I hear that this the Star Wars role-playing game has done better because it you know it's broken free and everybody can be a Jedi and everybody can be a smuggler and it's it's done a lot better than that. But the old old Star Wars role-playing games used to suffer from the exact same way. Everyone wants to be a skywalker. Everyone wants to be right. You know, Han Solo's kids, so that they can be Han, act like they're Harrison Ford. So it, they just yeah. don't translate as well because you, yeah. you actually want to play Picard or you want to play, you know, which that's not the point.
1: It's um, just not, yeah, it's not interesting.
0: Yeah, it's so weird.
1: Well, speaking of Star Trek, let's take a minute and talk about something we haven't done in a while some good news.
0: Good news, everyone! Good news. Oh, right. So. What, what do we got going on for for some good news? You got some news that are happening out in the world of pop culture and movies and I mean,
1: you know, nothing huge. Uh, I didn't, oh, you said Star uh,
0: Trek. I know what you're going to ask. I know what you're going to ask. Go yeah, I, didn't, <laughs> I got excited. Uh, I
1: I I didn't I didn't follow the Golden Globes. Uh, I looked at the list of winners yeah. and of the movies and TV shows. I've seen one of the winning TV shows and one of the winning movies. Uh, those were um, uh, the Kaminsky Method and into the Spider-Verse, respectively. Mm-hmm. There are a yep. couple of nominees that I've seen, but none of the other winners have I seen Bohemian Rhapsody or uh
0: well, Marvel's we're, we're, we're you know, for I a know, podcast that, that talks a lot about movies and television shows and stuff, it seems like this would be something up our alley. But I think that the two of us have long, you know, been about that our opinions are completely ours, have no basis for the Yeah, really, kind we're of fact. we're
1: firmly seated in the audience vote on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> not, not exactly. the critic vote. Uh all of these like significant impactful we're our tastes are pretty basic we're we're all about the the comic books and the adventures and the the entertainment that's not necessarily as uh as as oscar bait
0: yeah and it's 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 not like like the historical impact of a show or or the certain actor doing something that nobody else has done in a certain way. That's not something. But that's
1: anyway, really that's the, that's the quote unquote news because that happened last night as where we record this. But, yeah. um, the good news I had in mind is, uh,
0: the return of star Trek discovery. It's in 10 days, 10 days. 10 days. I, I can't believe that I'm actually that's excited to
1: Thursday. Uh, not this Thursday for us. It will be this Thursday for the listener, but, right. uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I can't believe 17th. that I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I, I mean, remember how trepidation is the word that I want to use for when we first started talking about this, like, eh, it could be okay. And even when we were watching the first series season, we were, we were not struggling, but we were like, is this something we like? I think I like it, but am I supposed to like like it?
1: My whole posture and and mindset towards Star Trek has changed so much in the last year and a half. Like Uh not, I don't want to say it's because of this podcast, but we've talked about it so much. And in the course of, you know, we're doing star Trek adventures and I've just been thinking about it all so much more, I think. And I want to get into to details of these last two short treks, but this short treks thing is kind of brilliant. It, and I'm it's, 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 it's not new. Like when lost was on, they were doing stuff with websites and webisodes and everybody's try not everybody, but Several people, and by people I mean production groups, have tried to do similar things. Um, This this feels like it was executed really well. Like At the surface of it, like in the elevator pitch, if you go to somebody, hey, during the the off-season when our show's not on, let's make half a dozen 15-minute episodes and show them once a month. Does that right. sound like a an appealing
0: elevator pitch? Well, the, well, the real trick with that one, with that pitch, and the whole thing with it, is that the, the argument come back is that well, why would you do that? And why not just spend that time making an episode, a full hour long sure. episode? I mean,
1: it like if you just hear that, it it doesn't sound like a great idea, right? right? That's, that's what I'm that's saying. That's
0: my the, point. the rebuttal is make make a, make an episode. Don't do that. They would rather you make an episode.
1: Make a make an eleventh episode
0: or whatever. Yeah, and and, and air it
1: earlier. You know or um, you know or make five minute episodes every week or so who knows like a I, month I still, seems like a long time it and is. 15 minutes seems like a short episode
0: I, I i'm still not necessarily on board with the the short treks thing being innovative <laughs> i'm real on board with the actual short treks i i said we'll get into the details here in a minute that you said but um i i liked all of them they were all quality great they did exactly what they were supposed to do by making me excited and they were complete and good. But I still feel like they were just giving me stuff to placate me because that <laughs> should have been out three months ago. Like, it's a, it, it's
1: yeah, it's a, it's a tease. And that's what I mean when I say it's like, uh, I'm going to say brilliant, which is a little bit effusive, but it, it is like just enough. Like every time I saw, I watched one of them, I was like, Oh uh, okay now i got to wait another month. Yeah. And it's and that's definitely true and that's what where i mean the brilliant, like it's it was very frustrating to experience but i think for keeping up the hype about a show that maybe had kind of a kind of a lukewarm reception like it's it's a challenge mm-hmm. it's a new thing it's very different from any other trek we've seen. It's not for it's sure. not at all like 90s era trek or 60s era or even Abrams verse, uh, or Kelvin verse, whatever you want to call the movies, uh, Christopher Pine movies, Um, just a completely new thing, a serial storytelling, a a main character instead of an ensemble cast, so many, so many new things, so many new, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, changes, like,
0: so different. Deviating from the norm. Yeah, th- this, sure. this 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 one. The brilliant part for me comes from the fact that I think that they knew their their um, their schedule limitations, and mm-hmm. I don't know. We don't know the whole story, right? It literally could have been that one actor or two actors that were key negotiated a late start because they were doing X, Y, or Z, and that's why sure. they couldn't release or film or whatever, right? We don't know that um but all we do know is the same feeling i have for like game of thrones or stranger things it's like hey it's been 15 months how long can you t- <laughs> give us and expect us just to watch it i mean honest to god i think that ruined Battlestar galactica there's a lot of things that ruined Battlestar star galactica oh. but the fact that that you couldn't watch it for a year and a half and i forgot everything and it, well, i lost interest and I, I lost and i know.
1: think i think bsg was happening in the middle of uh um the writer's strike
0: yeah sure i but, don't know if
1: if you were really aware of that when it happened i wasn't super aware except that like all the tv shows that i was watching were delayed by six months right or whatever or tried to do different things like that i mean that's a real has a the right, but, but on we as viewers story. didn't
0: and, care right i mean we just we sure, want it of, of um, course so, i mean that
1: was that was true of lost people are like every week every week you know and i think right. with the advent of um all of these streaming services, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, watching things on the, on the cert, you know, you've got CBS, all access, you've got HBO go HBO. Now you've got Netflix, all of these things. Um, (sighs) We're a little bit untethered from that weekly schedule of like, Hey, why isn't there a new sort of thing? Like, and, and also there are always so many new things that that sort of, uh uh, eases that a little bit but i'm sure a show like this you know it's not it's not the 60s where you build a set and you reuse the same footage of the model rolling in front of a blue screen uh planet every episode and you just shoot everything and you can knock out an episode in a week like right (laughs) visual effects and cgi take a lot of work and a long time you know i'm sure that every time you see a um a kelpian, and they've got their their uh what's it called sticking out of their neck?
0: The threat ganglia, ganglia. That's it. Yeah, um, threat ganglia. You
1: know, there's at least one or two people. It probably takes them a couple weeks to you know every time that happens, like it's right. all that all that stuff is a lot of work and a lot of time. Anyway, that's it is what it is. Complicated, well written, good the speculative fiction with a lot of visual effects takes a long time to make and you have to keep the attention of the of the viewers and i think this achieved that even if it was frustrating
0: well like i said the the brilliant part about this was that we don't know all of the things that go into it we just know that it's frustrating that we're losing we're we're losing traction and i and i honestly i i'm i'm a firm believer that the netflix model is not a good model even though they're making tons of model but the idea of of dumping stuff at once and then you you binge watch it and then you don't come up with something else for another 15, 20 months is not a good sustainable model. And you can almost you can say that pretty in a lot of their things they dump out, uh stranger things being the, one of the biggest ones, is that you know you dump it out, it's exciting, it's amazing, and it gets the huge buzz that it wants to get for 30 days, and then you have nothing. And then you really, really, really need to strike again another bolt of lightning exactly That's the same true. thing. That's true. That's true. Like, every, or you've lost every it for season two, has three to be years. good. It's
1: yeah, yeah, it's sort of a trade off because when you do that, you have the benefit of like you never need to put recaps, right? Because mm. you know that unless somebody is really busy or has a lot of self control, they probably just watched the previous episode. Right. Right? Where in the traditional model, you had to spread it out if it was like sweeps week or whatever, or, you know, a really, a really good, really well-made show only has 10 to 13 episodes. Well, that's a quarter of the year at best.
0: Well, you you know, these are these these as much as we don't like the studio execs of things. Um, these are smart people who study this thing and that's their career and they're good at this kind of stuff so, and that's somehow. why you have people like HBO, some of them, but I, I would yeah. actually argue that most of them are and you have people at HBO, they're like no, we know what you're doing with this dumping thing and it's a great new thing and everybody's excited about doing it, but like, it's not a sustainable model so we have right. big hit shows and what we do is we let them, we still release them week to week. Yes we have all 20 done but we're going to release them week to week and the game of Thrones is a perfect example it's seven seasons or eight seasons. And it continues the hype for a decade. You know, there's no way that stranger things could, could maintain that. <laughs> Even if it's a great show, you're well, going to forget. They've also
1: committed it. to only doing four seasons.
0: Right. But, but, but you see what I'm saying though is yeah, that, sure. that you can, if you fall down one season and have an off season or what media or something gets spin a weird way, or that uh, one of your characters does actors does something wrong and it ruins that one season. That's three years of the audience that you has seen negative stuff mm. and has not been happy with your product. Sure. Whereas if you release things a week at a time, you're going for four months, five months, and then they're off for five months, and then you got five months again. It's just it's just that kind of a, a good thing. So anyway, this was a brilliant thing that what made it brilliant is that they recognize CBS is they they don't dump um the Trek Discovery in they also do it a weekly thing and they know that the audience is going to need by this time something and right. for whatever the reason their schedules are either behind or planned that way we're going to do this thing on our timing to tease them and to keep them going hey we're still around we're still relevant we're still here and that's right. smart you know and and not only was it it wasn't a two minute commercial, it was fifteen minute, almost felt like a full episode that was yeah. high quality with your main actors. It wasn't just like the the janitor, you know. <laughs> right. It, it was right. a real story about Saru, you know. Um so um, let let's get let's get into those. What what did so the la- we talked about oh, a couple I of these into this. Okay, um, so
1: season one started in September, so they are running behind. I was curious about this whole conversation about timing.
0: Okay. Oh no, yeah, yeah, they're they're because they were. We talked
1: about this in. the They're the behind ball. on yeah. season two. I mean, you yeah. know, it's who knows schedule conflicts or maybe they're more. That's ambitious right. Than we we don't know, right? One. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but we, we're we really we're, we're running long on time, so uh, yeah. Um, right, so episode, so brightest star. Brightest star. This was the third, I think so that was with saru right they're they're numbered a little strangely because there's an extra one that i've never seen but this was the third one we've seen yes this is saru's backstory
0: Um, Uh, hey wait before then can we take a step back even one before because we didn't actually get to talk to one about the one before that this is what the weird one like that took place it's i think in the future it's way in the
1: future Uh, that's been long enough ago now that i don't remember any of the details but
0: if you want to talk about that a little bit we can do that J- just a little bit because because i i re it because i couldn't remember it sure. um do you remember and i know it's been a while is, is that discovery he's on i believe so is that right okay well that's interesting um because it it doesn't have to be discovery and if it's not discovery that's just a really neat short yeah. right and and that it doesn't even have to be in the star trek universe the way it's just set up but man, what good writing, a one-man <laughs> acting show. And that, I've seen that actor in a lot of different things, and he's not t- necessarily a great actor. He's just okay. But that was <laughs> sure. so well done, written, CGI, all of the stuff um, that had emotional feel to it. And I, I'm excited. That, that one made me excited for the next season because I'm like, I hope they tie this in. Maybe the ship is going to get a voice, and you know it's going to have a be a character, um, which we get to see a little bit in this short, right? I don't know if that's going to be, but it makes me feel that way. Yeah, and
1: um, and that should be that should be noted about all of these. If if uh, the listener hasn't had a chance to watch these, you should. Uh, um, find, I think they're only available on on CBS All Access so far, but um, they're all very good. They're they're much more. In the classic track style of of a standalone exploratory story, sort of the same way that that Black Mirror works, except without the extreme pessimism of that series depression and yeah um right. but just standalone stories sort of exploring human nature and allegory through these uh sci fi stories, which is really. an area where sci-fi really shines. Um, Yeah.
0: And original track.
1: And it was sort of what what birthed this entire series, this entire universe, this idea of what if someday X, Y, Z, you know, we work out our differences, aliens and Russians and a Japanese and a white guy all work together and explore the stars, you know? Um, But yeah, so... Episode three was the brightest star. And this was uh, if if you haven't seen this and you're going to see it, skip ahead. Um, This is Saru's backstory. I really, really liked this. Um, I did too. I know uh, we talked about this last week or the week before um, that I I'm I'm I was in season one of Discovery. I was impressed with Saru's character design uh, visually, physically, uh, but I found it unsettling. I don't like Mm -hmm. bugs and he's (laughs) kind of creepy looking. Um, right. But, uh, I loved this story. This, this idea of this very primitive world with this very superstitious people. And this one guy and he, he gets this stuff and does this thing. And then Starfleet says, okay, we're not supposed to do this, but, if you if you do it this way if you only do this and then you get to the the culmination of the episode where he meets um uh giorgio and she says you know if you come with me you you can't go back it's a you know it's like a matrix red pill kind of a thing yeah right (laughs) like you know we're we are forbidden from interfering with your culture. Like she can't explain it that way, but we, as the audience know the prime directive, like she can't interfere with their culture, but if he disappears, that's an unexplained mystery.
0: Yeah. Right. It's not going to, it's, that was on my mind the whole time that they're pre-warp. I was like, right. They're very pre-warp. Saru is pre-warp. I'm like, Whoa, you know, and, and then you
1: understand like they're this, this, they're, you know as they would say in Zootopia like they're a prey species right yeah um and it was it was really good I liked it
0: I, I did too I, I thought that the, the it being pre-warp was the key to the whole thing was that mm-hmm. they, they are primitive and he figures this thing out and uh and and that was just so neat because I would not have expected them to come down and say like at all, because that's that's not what we think Star Trek is, you know, by the rules everywhere, that they're not supposed to... Sometimes we've seen them observe pre-warp, but never communicate, never touch contact or whatever. And they come down in the ship, and they're like, hey, yeah, you want to go? And he's like, yeah, we're going to go, and well, they're talking to and, him. And then, and you take cool. this
1: back to And you take this back to classic 60s uh, Kirk-era Trek, and here's a species that's being sort of preyed upon by some other kind of alien. I don't think any of that is ever really explained, but there's, they might be
0: this season. Maybe this season is, that's why we have this short. That's
1: possible. There's, there's some kind of thing and it's preying on these, on these people. And so they're not, they're not advancing because of this superstition. And this happened, similar things to this happened in several episodes of original uh, Trek. Like they'd go to a planet and there are people with a, you know, big dragon head, thing and it's human sacrifice once a year and and Kirk of course busts in and you know in a sort of manifest destiny kind of way just you know shakes up the whole thing so that they can they can advance and move forward cuz you know you can break the prime directive as long as the the culture is stagnant um right in a you know almost comical kind of way and right. this is this is this is a different approach to that this is like Oh yeah, this there's this situation, and it's and it's not great. But you know, maybe there it's it's almost it reminds me a little bit of um the it reminds me a little bit of the story of Lot in the Bible. Mm-hmm. They're like, is there is there one righteous man? Like, is there one curious Kelpian down there? Is there one the, you know one noble savage? Right. Is there a guy down there that's that's looking up instead of down? You know, yeah. is there a guy looking at the brightest star instead of just down in the seaweed? Uh, well, which is of, something
0: I really, really liked about this yeah. one here was that it, it became, you know, almost when we start getting the the super geeks of Star Trek start coming out <laughs> and putting the rules and the way things have to work of, yeah. of the world and the prime directive and stuff. Then you start realizing that who's the Vulcans? Who's the Vulcans? It's it's all you people, you know, and this felt like the kid who stargazed and thought there was something more like we are right now. We're the primitive race. That's pre warp. And we look up into space and want an alien advanced race to come down and say, yeah, you can be the last starfighter, (laughs) you know, and that's, that's cool. Right. That's, that made me think of that way, but, but not from a human. It didn't have to be from a human perspective. This was from an aliens. And then tell the story
1: from, from the other perspective. That's not, it's not the humans come in and, you know, and mess with your whole thing in a colonial kind of attitude, but, a, but a more subtle individual kind of, you know, and it, and it really, and it really fleshes out his character to understand why, you know, I almost want to go back and rewatch season one with this perspective to go, Oh, now I, now I see why he's the way he is, why he's so, you know, he's He's curious and parent, but like, Fiercely loyal because of how he, you know, the path that he took.
0: Yeah, and he's he's solitary. I I, I just mm-hmm. assumed during season one that Kelpians were people we didn't know about. They talk about them a couple of times when they go in the mirror verse. I'm like, oh, I like to eat your kind, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. they have slaves in the in the mirror verse. But um, so I just assumed there were other Kelpians we hadn't seen. But right. now I get to watch it in a perspective of he is the only one of his entire people, and they have no idea about what. Out there, that's that puts a whole different spin on him.
1: And that uh, that again is a very classic Star Trek thing. I think every, let's see, I think all four, five, how many classic shows? One, two, three, four, five. Every show had one, one somebody who was the only one, right? The very common Spock was the only Vulcan, Uh, right? Data was the only Android and Worf was the only Klingon. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? A seven was the only Borg. Yeah. And they also had Kess and Neelix
0: and the and hologram doctor
1: and the EMH. Um, the Indian Chakotay Chakotay. Um, DS nine had, who did they have? They had the only changeling. Odo. Right. Um right. and the Bajoran. They had they had other Bajorans, but they only had one Bajoran like in the in the cast, I the mean cast. Right. cast, in the core.
0: Um right. I mean it's sometimes probably just set up to like so we only we know who this person is because they're different than it's easy to Well, an and, the,
1: and there are that. a lot of interesting stories you can tell with a fish out of water kind of character, which <laughs> pardon the expression in the context of Kelpians, but right, um right. Uh, um, enterprise had uh, to Paul again as the only Vulcan, but also had flocks um, as the only denoblian Denoblu- yeah, denoblian denoblian Den- denoblian. Den- denoblian. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's a tricky word to say. Right. Okay.
0: So that's, that's the brightest so, star. And that and was then, good. I liked it. So, something I want to say about these, as we go on to the next one here is that I, I do believe and as you're kind of commenting them on the past ones and this one here is that I, I, I have hope, and if they're smart, and I, I I really hope they are, that these all these four ones have meaning that mm-hmm. will stretch into the season that we just don't know, which will make later on when we're watching this season just that much more enhanced and yeah. make us want to go back and watch these little shorts again, so that maybe Saru's those people like there's a couple questions in these shorts that aren't answered because that's mm-hmm. not the point of these shorts. Right. They're contained stories, but there's what was that? What was that? Um, you know, technology that was taking the Kelpians and why? You know, right? right. It, maybe that's something in an episode that's going to be explored, and this is just kind of teasing us into it. And you know, and or what is you know? I mentioned the discovery having a voice in this person, and you know how she's made. Maybe that's a thing. And then the first one is um, maybe that queen from Tilly's episode mm-hmm. comes back somehow, and she knows her. Right. Uh, so I'm ho- I'm hopeful that these have meaning yeah at least I'm, a little bit or tie in. i'm
1: i'm very stoked for season two almost probably too much but <laughs> no, so right, right. so uh short trek number four features your your least favorite character uh right. rain wilson's harry mud.
0: mud yeah the escape artist the escape um, artist if it again if it wasn't rain wilson that, that's my hangout <laughs> just it. i like rain wilson i don't know why i mean i don't uh, well, know, i love no dwight white is the man me, but you know uh Rain Wilson. I, it, anyway, we've we've been over that. Yeah. Uh, it, thankfully, he's got pretty good writing. He doesn't do a whole lot of Rain Wilson, and they, they 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 because it's only fifteen minutes. He's he's in and out. Um, I still have the same problem with 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 mud. Is mm. that um, you can't do anything with him. and and you because he's constrained by the fact that he's in the original series later on well uh, you can't put him in prison you can't t- cut off his arm th- you can't this have is any uh, if you've
1: if you're back listening and you've and you've skipped over uh short trek number 3 we're going to talk about short trek number 4 the escape artist so pause yeah. or skip ahead if you don't want to be spoiled on this uh they well they end it with this with this replicant thing right so it's now completely open to any well, either, because he's only in two original series episodes, either of those could be not him.
0: oh, I didn't think of it that way. I guess that's true
1: right so now m- maybe the main one dies
0: and that, that that would be cool that or or they actually put him in prison, they get him or whatever right okay that 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 just changed my mind on a lot of stuff. Batman, <laughs> that character because that makes sense like if you could if you can. Give me the the lore that you know original Trek mud is actually possibly a replicant. Like, oh, okay, okay. Or just
1: now, or just cast the doubt. I I appreciate it. Right? I appreciate it in this episode. As I'm as I'm thinking back about it now, like it starts out kind of comical. You're like, oh, it's right. this guy, and he's always the same, and he's doing the same, and he gets caught, and you do, and they're like, oh, nope, it's the end of the road. Here's the Here's the ship. I liked the uh, um, USS Demilo, which I, it's maybe yeah. a weird kind of like Venus back to him. Him, right. you know, flirting shamelessly, regardless, and, and you know, in this really ham-fisted, mud esque kind of way. Um, and then, but then the, this this twist at the end, like, oh yeah, it's just uh and then the ridiculous kind of. Um, being John Malkovich kind of things like if I had any money I'd be sipping jippers on a on a beach, whatever he says. I think it's on a beach. Right, yeah. And it's just all of them. They're like, oh if I had any money, if I had any money. money." And you're like, holy what? What What (laughs) did I just watch? What's what's happening? And And then you cut back to his ship and he's he's orchestrating the whole thing and you're like, oh no, he's not he's not getting in the same situation time and time again. It's it's, he's, he's orchestrating this. It's just another scam.
0: Yeah. He, he's a, he's a con artist. He's a, they have done a, you know, that's funny. He was a, what in two episodes in discovery last season. Is that right? Two? Uh,
1: um, yeah, he was in prison with, um, not Lorca. He was in prison with the, with the dude, <laughs> Lieutenant oh, yeah. uh, love interest. Lieutenant love interest. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't remember yeah, his um, character name anymore. Yeah, and, and, he was, so and he
0: was, and he played in that whole episode. He played uh, that one or two he, episodes. He beginning He did, he did that time. He played a con artist.
1: That he did that Groundhog Day episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was the second one that he was. In, I think that that, right. that second one, that second one, really went out of character with them because he he was he's always this you know con artist that's trying to get it for himself and trying to make money and doesn't care. That's how he was in the original series. That's how he was in the very first time we kind of see him in the in he's, the discovery. He's kind
1: of small scale. He's like the original
0: yes. Ferengi. Yes, original Ferengi. And and when we see him in this short, he's back to doing that exact same kind of a character. But when when they did that revenge one with the time loop thing, Groundhogs, Day think that was really out of the the mud character. He's more.
1: So. Yeah, it's a little more. Um...
0: They took him wrong there. It's
1: that. a little more vengeful. It's a little more like big picture evil instead of just selfish.
0: And yeah, right. And and that's that's maybe why I didn't care too much. There's there a lot of reasons why I didn't care for that episode too much. Although it was interesting and neat. He was just too evil. And then they let him go. And it was without consequence hardly. And mm. it, was, it was just not a good... It wasn't a good mud episode. So this one... This one did have that, and that twist at the end kind of redeemed it all and made it yeah. kind of great. Uh, so it was m- my least favorite of all of them, but I still liked it, and it was well done. Um, okay. And Rain Wilson didn't over-the-top it too much.
1: He also directed
0: so. that, I don't know. I think. He, did he direct that one? Oh, he nice. did. Um, oh, wild. And I think... Let me Any go monkey back can and, now, and look I guess, at this so. again. One more. But I, I, yeah, they've they've done their job, and clearly, Mud will be back in the this rest one, of the series. This one has
1: the highest rating
0: on IMDb. Funny. Yeah, pe- people like people like Rain Wilson, and like like that. This is this is again. I'm going to step out and say, I never you know say that my opinions are actually good ones. They're just my <laughs> opinions. So, and, and this is this is one of those. Sometimes I just won't, won't like won't like a <laughs> All thing. Right, right. That's good. Uh,
1: all right let's Discovery, um, coming
0: back next thursday week thursday
1: we're uh we're running long on time here but let's talk about the first movie of our 100 movie what are we calling this the 2020 challenge our, our first poster movie of the of the 100 movie series shawshank redemption this is a classic beloved classic
0: Andy Dufresne, a- Andy uh, Dufresne. man, crawled to freedom. Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I've I've been looking at this one for several months now since we've been talking about this one. If, so this this is for, a
1: for, for the listener, if you've somehow still not seen Shawshank Redemption, uh, go watch it. It's amazing. It is a masterpiece. Yeah, um, it does,
0: yeah. And then and then come back because I don't want to spoil the ending. It's got a twist. Right. For real. So so um. This is something we we have to make sure that we shy away from on this on this uh segment that we have for the rest of the next mm-hmm. few years whatever it might be is that is just coming back out and playing. It's an amazing show. It's a classic. Cuz sure. these all are that. These these are all going to be. This that. So, this
1: happens to be one that I've seen probably the first R-rated movie I ever saw where my parents R-rated. were like were like, "Oh, you haven't seen that? Uh, I guess it has a lot of swearing in it. It's probably yeah. okay. You should see it. It's really good." Something it's, I didn't I didn't realize, and so this is for the ones that we've seen before. I'm going to try and do this like, what's new? What did I not notice before? What's you know, whatever. Instead Tell of just check. saying, "Okay, cool, All oh, right. it's great." That's... The end. Um, sure. Good, and, good call. And whatever cinephiles, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to defend this reality any more than than that uh, little yeah. bit of complaining. But I did not realize that this story was a Stephen King. Uh, um, creation oh I didn't know that either yeah it's it's not super obvious like there's no supernatural anything right which is a common Stephen King uh, King trope Um, it's it's based on a short story called uh, um, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption and Mm. it's co like there's another guy who helped presume, presumably helped adapt it into a screenplay movie. um mm-hmm. and it's understandable that it's a short story because there's not a, like you can summarize this story pretty easily pretty quickly yeah, sure. like if you said you know certain aspects of it were embellished or whatever um and you make the you make the story a lot shorter but um that was that was interesting to me. And I also observed, I think I said this before we started recording, in this past week, um, in the post-holiday whatever, my family and I have watched, um, uh, shoot, what movies did I just say like an hour ago? Um, Mary
0: Poppins and...
1: Well, we saw we saw the new Mary Poppins, but we went back and watched uh, A Few Good Men. And um uh, shoot the fugitive,
0: oh yes, right, yes,
1: both of which came out in the early nineties, kind of around the same time as this, maybe a little bit after, and I noticed that the music in the Shawshank Redemption is very subtle, like you pick up on it, it's the same sort of not quite melody through the whole thing. Until the climax of the film, when he, you know, slides out of that tunnel or out of that pipe, and is staggering through the river, pulling the, you know, shit covered clothes off of him. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, I don't. I I could say that more more politely, but it doesn't. It feels appropriate there. Um, Right. And the music swells, and and I noticed. I was like, I was like, man, we've had that same very similar music through most of this movie, but it's very slowly built to this crescendo yeah. and it's, and it's just right here. And then it comes back down because there's the, there's still a whole epilogue to go with red's journey uh to the, to the rock and the box and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and by contrast, the reason I brought that up is because in a few good men and in, the fugitive the music is much bigger it's much more obtrusive like in um in a few good men every time there's like a significant sort of character development or twist or foreshadowing the music is big and and obtrusive you're like hey pay attention like are you paying attention look at what jack nicholson is doing right now because it's going to be important in an hour right i'm like oh man the the foreshadowing in uh,
0: in Shawshank was much subtler than this. You're right. Well, I, I for for my part, my, my 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 only one quick fanboy thing for it <laughs> will be that that you know uh, the, the obvious statement that Morgan Freeman makes this movie yes he is the one that makes this movie and and i, I don't think it would be the same movie without morgan freeman in it right um, so th- just th- getting that out of the way um <laughs> th- th- to to go down your thread of you know what what did i see differently or how when i look and at this thing see something or in you know, a different perspective um i i a couple storylines that came through in, in this one t- that i saw and noticed more than i had the, the, the other times that i'd seen it uh, okay. that were pleasant and nice like i the whole um library thing mm. I, i've got an a, a affinity to librarians and the this was uh really neat i mean i i just i didn't remember that i didn't remember that that i knew mm. that he was down there and he was with brooks but it was kind of it felt like a something i didn't pay attention to before sure. but like he he built that up in the whole when he was writing the letters to the, to the senators for every week. And and then he wrote two at the end. That was something that was like, (laughs) Oh, I totally missed that. What a neat thing that he did. And and I also didn't realize Andy's effect on the prison, like how much he, he affected the prison and the prisoners and the people that were around him and everything. People watched him. And like when he was hurt and put in the hospital, um, people did things for him. Not just his friends, like all of the prisoners knew Andy Dufresne mm-hmm. and kind of cared for him as much as a prisoner's convicts can. Um, and, and then he did so much for another thing I, I noticed a lot more this time is he did so much for the people, like the the beers on the on the, mm-hmm. the roof. Mm-hmm. He, he's like when they gave him a beer, he says, you know, I'm I quitting, dr- you know, given up drinking like that was <laughs> not for him at all. It was for everyone else, and the opera he played opera on the the speakers again for everyone else. He didn't have to put that on the right. speaker, right? Uh, so Andy Dufresne in this one just gave me a different perspective of him being this you know caring good person for everyone else, which which makes the other thing that I. I had forgotten about was the, the part that, that the young boy came come in and again, he mentors him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and gets shot. And that makes that even more poignant that he has the chance to give up, you know, get out of this life, this terrible thing that he's wrong yeah. put in. Um, yeah, he's and in, he's in this cycle
1: of, of petty crime and yeah. yeah. And the, I mean the, the power of music as far as the whole, the whole opera scene goes, um, the, and, S- something you said about about Morgan Freeman, like I I was always aware of the significance of Morgan Freeman's narration in the yeah. in the success of this movie. Um, I You're watched right. this with my sister, it and she said, uh, f- you know, about twenty or so minutes into it, she said one of the things she appreciates is that it's all for the most part all told from Red's perspective.
0: It really is, right? It That's really why
1: he's the narrator. So there are things that happened that he doesn't see he's not there yeah. but he talks about him like he heard about it and so he's he's telling us the story and knowing that the original story um was was written by Stephen King brought that out even more to me because I'm listening to the audiobook of the stand right now mm-hmm. and if you've read Stephen King's books In the actual text, something that doesn't always come through in the film adaptations, because so many of his stories are supernatural thrillers in some way. You often just get this whole like, you know, oh, the guy goes crazy and he uh, he burns down the hotel. Well, the hotel burns down in the book, not in the movie, but um, or there's a little girl and she can start stuff on fire or whatever. Like, it's always some crazy thing you know, pet cemetery, the cat comes back to life. Um, But in the, in the books, in his writing, like he can, he can create a character that you, that you understand that you see in a, in a unique way that I won't say nobody else does, but it's, it's an area where his writing really shines and he can, he can take a phrase and a, and a sentence and do so much with it. Um, Yeah. And a lot of that comes through in the things that uh, Morgan Freeman says, you know, and this is because Andy Andy delivers some line, some, some summary, some, you know, the, the whole rooftop story. You're like, wow, just so much. And then later in the movie, when that, that head guard, who is a complete sadist, Right. Right. Like we've established this character as a completely amoral, like just Bad bully. guy. Um, right. And then, you know, stuff happens later. The first time the the, you know, rapist guys cross him, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's done now. Yeah. Now he's now he's got the <laughs> he's got the a-hole guard not really on his side, but it endeared to him a little bit. Right. It, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. The 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 thing about you were just talking about the storytelling and how this works from Red's perspective is that, um, you, you almost can say that Red's the main character there, but really Andy is the main character. Andy Dufresne is the main character, and we see this whole story not like a lot of most other shows where you follow the main character. It, everything I liked how you said that. We see this from from Red's perspective. It's all of the things it's that happen, all
1: through Red's eyes. Like you never, yeah, know. You're, you're
0: seeing the hero. You're seeing somebody else, the hero. Like it's like Red, and he even says it you know, Like from that moment on, I knew I liked Andy Dufresne. You know, it's that <laughs> because he's seeing the hero character, the main character through. And, and you don't you don't hear um, Andy's thoughts. You don't nope. hear why Andy does stuff. No. Nope. And he doesn't always tell them. And it's just Red's interpretation of I think mm-hmm. I'd like to think that Andy did this. And he had a smile that I didn't quite understand, <laughs> but I'd like to think this. So again, you're just the hero is interpreted through Red. You, you have no idea about all of the you, inner workings. You, just you watch something get the like The Hunger mystery. Games and, and it's yeah. and
1: it's it's definitely one of those stories that relies on its twist. Right? Like you sure. get the you get the first twist Of the kid where you're like, oh, no, he he didn't do it like he is innocent. Like they all joke about being innocent, but he's legitimately innocent. And then like every from from so early on when he gets that rock hammer and puts up that first Rita Hayworth poster. You're like, oh, he's he's been tunneling his way out for almost 20 years right like
0: and then and it, nobody it, knew it like red didn't know it best, so you didn't know it his best
1: friend didn't know and you're like oh you know the first moment when uh um the warden throws a rock through uh the poster of Raquel Welsh and um and it and it clatters through the thing you know and then they show it you know but it's still like that that twist and even you know, we've watched we've watched movies or rewatched movies like Memento before they have a big twist at the end. And, yeah. you know, you can't watch them too often, but it's the kind of thing where if you haven't watched it in a while and you know what the twist is from the beginning, then you can be watching. you be watching for all the all the foreshadowing, all the hints. And you're like, you're like, yeah, how long how long was he done? Right. Yeah. How how long was the tunnel all the way through, and he just hit a point and was like, "Oh yeah, the, the you know now the warden that's is against what, me. It's time for me yeah. to get out and screw him and be be done and
0: do it now. And be Yeah done the with this. the I, I want to compare this to something that I I, I complained about before in another show. Um, it was the illusionist. Is that that's the one we watched right? right. It's, yeah. Is that. That one, again, I, I gotta say there, it had a twist and it lived that show lived on the twist. Um, but it it just resolved itself and told everything how it was done within a minute and a half to two minutes yeah. really quickly as Paul Giamatti spins around. <laughs> this movie, you watch this twist, it takes the rest of the movie. It's like 30 minutes of of him explaining it, how it all works. Red is patient and calm when he's talking about it, and then you have the afterwards where Red's going on and then Andy, mm-hmm. he meets Andy. There's, there's a lot more to the resolution he, of, he has his parole hearing. He, he walks yeah. up the hill to find that box. It's not just like what I felt like with an illusionist was like, aha, and that's how I did it. And I walk up in the sunset yeah. and that's the ending. Like it's a, it's stunned a, and like, okay, it's, yeah. it's on
1: theme with the, with the whole magician thing. But yeah,
0: I, yeah but but this this one gave you the thing and you went back and you're like, "Oh yeah, okay. Okay. Ah, all right." And then it slowly went through and then you saw the the results of it all happen and how it it went on. It wasn't just a twist, but the twist has changed the movie. Right. You know. Um so yeah, that was obviously a great great movie. Um I still have to me, it's one of those, you know, realistic-ish kind of Cautionary tales about you know um, the justice don't go system. to prison or you're gonna or you're gonna get raped type oh. thing. yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, cause, no, because because no Andy's touching. not. Yeah, I mean, Andy doesn't because it really was. I mean, watching that one was just. It's always been a stark thing in my memory. Is that It's not like the guy doesn't fight. Like he fights and he yeah. fights and he fights. he Like I, I when it happened, I even watched it again in this one, thinking that I know when it's gonna happen. He goes just like a normal thing to go back and get something. Cause the guy casually asked him to go back and get it like his boss, mm-hmm. no big deal. And those guys were back there and he did exactly everything that I could, I couldn't have done anything more. Right. He, yeah. he fought, he threw everything he hit, he bit, he kicked, he punched and they beat him and beat him. I, I then, think
1: because I watched this relatively young, I didn't understand any of that stuff. Mm, and yeah. so the stuff about the library, um and the music though I don't think when I however old I was when I watched this I don't think I really appreciated the significance of first hearing music in in some cases decades for some of these guys how impactful that yeah. would be understanding right. more as I do now the the power of music um, right but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that stuff so, yeah, was...
0: Good, amazing stuff. And it continues to give. So watching Shawshank again was a good, wonderful, awesome experience that well, I'm well, glad I got to do. Well know? worth it. And, and the shows that movies, you can you can go back and watch them again. Even if you've seen them in the past and feel totally you know it all, watching them again can really pull something out and enrich it. Yeah, for and sure. Stuff, so. so what's our next one? What's We're going down instead of across. Our, so. our
1: next one is the Spielberg classic E.T.,
0: E.T. Oh the man, extra this extraterrestrial. I'm going to wonder if this one's going to be a hold up to if it's going to hold up that mm, thing. I wonder if it, this, right, is, this right. is what I have the most worry about. This one. Um,
1: I but, I saw this one at some point as an adult. I was not allowed to watch it when it was popular uh, back in the day. Hmm. Um, which is yeah. funny
0: because your parents thought you watch Shawshank, but couldn't watch YouTube.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Nobody nobody keeps a secret from their parents in Shawshank, I think is the is the key. I'm not out. a parent. I can't I can't judge. Um nice. I, I also set up a page on our website, uh frontporchpodcast.com slash one hundred dash movies, or it's there in the menu. You can click through to it. I've got uh the list of all the titles with what I hope are accurate IMDB links and air dates for the podcast I'll update those if we ever jump the queue or uh, shift things around
0: right okay so we're ET this is this is gonna be fun yep. I'm, I, I'm yep. gonna watch ET. this with I'm gonna watch this with Sydney because my brother um, when he was five years old watched this in the theater and right when a pivotal part happens with ET he screams out in the theater <laughs> my ET he yells and starts crying so and that was at five so i think hopefully sydney will will like it. it'll it be interesting watching this with her too because mm. she's like a modern day movie watcher and with screams right. in her face all the time whether it'll have that same yeah will will any of it vibe. hold up if you've if you've already seen stranger things right, maybe i'll have sit on next week we just talk for, just for that little bit so what did you <laughs> think of Of E.T. Nice. How do you feel about it? Because it's kind of a kid. Is it it a kid movie? Do you think it's a kid movie? All the main
1: characters are kids, except for the alien.
0: Yeah, but Stranger Things, all the main characters are all kids. Is that a kid movie? Kind of,
1: though they're a little sweary, especially Dustin. Dustin
0: gets bad in season two. He's got a foul mouth. (laughs) All right, so cool. Yeah, E.T. Awesome. Ready for it. All right. That's...
1: I, th- I, think that's, I think that's good. We're, we're running long here. I think, so
0: Yeah, we're, I think we're, we're good, good. Good night tonight. We're back in the year, you know, 2019.
1: 2019, the, the decade is almost over.
0: Yeah, strong stuff this year. Gosh.
1: Well, hey, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 72. Special thanks to our good friends over at Geek Scholars Movie News. If you, unlike us, care about the Golden Globes, you should go subscribe to their show because I'm sure they're going to talk about it yeah uh, Ge- go
0: listen to those guys they know all about Ge- that geek cool scholars
1: movie stuff. news if you like star trek even half as much as we do and don't mind uh uh drunken mom jokes in in a star trek role playing uh context <laughs> you can check out our other podcast at klingonsanddragons.com
0: were you just listening to us do some mom jokes were you on your editing <laughs>
1: <laughs> no it just it you're just, like oh it just
0: happens that way <laughs> Uh,
1: if you have questions or comments or thoughts about the masterpiece, the Shawshank Redemption, you can email us at frontporchpod at gmail.com or head over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com. We got contact forms and all that good stuff. We don't really do social media, but uh, yeah, you can hit us up. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And while you're there, if you leave us a review, we appreciate that. Thanks as always for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. I'm Michael
0: for The Front Porch. Bye. See you next time.